Welcome back to What The Crew, a podcast in which we chat with friends and experts about everything related to running, general fitness, health, along with some random shit, but you know this by now. We are your hosts, Wiebke and Kevin. Today we talk with Jeremy Regensburg. He is the head strength coach at Unscared CrossFit, mentors many Dutch national weightlifting champions and loves gaming in his inappropriate jokes. We invited him to talk about his main speciality, strength. We discuss what benefits strength training offer to runners, how building strength works, how to implement it in your running routine, and the best specific strength exercises for you. Find out why Kevin and I would have endured the icy water during the Titanic tragedy better than Jeremy. Uh-oh. So Jeremy, welcome. Thank you. We're going to talk about strength and running. So the link between the two, we're going to talk about what strength is and how can this help or not runners. Um, so yeah, But maybe. Yeah, maybe we have to say why we chose you to talk about this topic. Because yeah. you are actually a strength trainer. I am. I am certainly not a runner. I did do some running in the past, but my background is hating sports as a kid. And then through martial arts, I came into strength training, powerlifting, bodybuilding. I ended up with Olympic weightlifting mostly. Um, and I have uh, trained some runners with strength training, but uh, the only running I did that was like, I think the last time I consistently ran was somewhere around 14 years ago. And I made an attempt, but all I did was like, I get painful shins and, 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 and just got annoyed with everything. So I was like, nah, I'll leave running up to, you know, people actually have some fun in running. Yeah, that's yeah. that's extremely important uh, when uh, doing sports, uh, actually enjoying what you do. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's also part of the the process, at least it was for me, when you start uh, running, you you have some pain. I mean, it's it's part of it. That so. is also true, sadly. Like, yeah, running sucks for a long time before it is fun. Uh, uh, also the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you didn't pass the bar. You you, you stopped before. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like someone who actually pushes through things. I'm like, oh, it's not fun. I'll do something else. Yeah. Nice. So today we want to we wanna hear about, um, and we want to know if strength training is something that is actually good for runners and is, is it beneficial or not? Maybe we can start by defining what, what strength training is. Yeah. Um, that's actually a very tough question because basically strength refers to force. So if you want to be strong, you have to be able to apply force to something. So it could be a push-up where you apply force to the floor. So you push yourself up. Uh, you could lift a heavy weight off the floor. You apply force through the floor, through your feet, and so on. Um, but of course, when you run, you also apply force. Yeah. The only difference is the unit of time. Um, usually, uh, how strength training is defined is it looks at a unit of time that is set. That could be uh, 10 seconds, could be 10 repetitions, whatever. Uh, and it needs to be progressive over time. So you could also say, well, yes, uh, running is also progressive because now you run 5K and in a few years, you'll be running a marathon. That is also progressive. So the concept of progress is there in any sport, basically. Yeah. Uh, the difference is that we're looking at, you're measuring the force output in a specific time unit. So yeah, strictly speaking, you could run with uh, a kilo uh, of a, in a weight vest, a kilo more every single time you run. Strictly speaking, that's also progressive, but because the force output is so low, we usually don't refer to it as strength training. So if I'm very bad at push-ups and I do only three repetitions and I cannot do more, that mm -hmm. is strength. If I can do a thousand push-ups, doing three push-ups is suddenly not strength training anymore. It's exactly the same movement. I'm applying the same force, but because of the context, you know, one is strength training. The other is just, I don't know, getting off the floor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A, so it's like uh, very personal actually, because uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, three push-ups for me, if they're really uh, nicely performed, 
Yeah, yeah that, that's that's definitely some uh, some workout. Yeah. So so usually how I would frame it is: uh, Are you uh, progressively increasing the force output, and do you get better at um, that force output within a short time frame? Then you are probably doing strength training. You were saying like uh, with this force output within a time unit, and you were referring to running. That running is usually on a bigger um, force output. But if you would uh, say you uh, have 10 minutes and, um, which is relatively short time frame, and you run in like, I don't know, one kilometer first time yeah. and then suddenly two kilometers, uh, the second time in the 10 is it then strength training because you are basically having more, you're applying more force to push you away from the floor. Yeah. So, um, yes and no. And usually because strength training is also like kind of a, a cultural thing. So in that sense, no, we would not consider it strength training. But it's true that the shorter the time unit, the more force output you have, the more strength becomes relevant. So uh, to stick with your example, you can have a marathon, you can run for 10 minutes, you could also do a sprint. Yep. And to be able to sprint, you need to be very strong uh, in that movement to be able to do it. A marathon runner doesn't have to be as strong as a sprinter. They both need to apply force, but one does it in 10 seconds. The other does it in, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or in three hours. So yes, there is a modicum of strength in there. And that's also why strength training is useful for running. Ah. And some people may even say that running is good for strength training. Oh, really? Yeah. Even that way? Yeah, I don't want to admit it, but there are people who say <laughs> that. Yeah. Also, Does let me reiterate that 10 minutes of running is very long for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Could be. no, definitely. <laughs> but me. I never saw, uh, heard it the other way around that uh, running is actually beneficial for uh, strength training. So that's interesting. Um, because I guess most listeners or people that are new to this entire concept of strength training yeah. are probably thinking about like uh, these guys in the gym with these uh, huge dumbbells, like uh, drawing. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't even know how the curls are called. Uh, yeah. Bicep yeah. curls. Bicep curls, dumbbell curls. Exactly, yeah. like uh, like hitting the iron, like grounding. like. Uh, um, but that's only one little part of strength training. Well, yeah, basically. Strength training is very broad because the definition I used could be applied to, um, well, you could do a weighted jump. So there is less force applied, but it's very fast because mm -hmm. the jump only lasts like a second yeah. or less. Uh, but it could also be what you just described, like you're trying to lift a weight up. That could be it. Could be a dumbbell or a barbell like you usually see in gyms. You could also have a heavy sandbag mm -hmm. uh, that you're trying to lift over your shoulder. Um, you could uh, hold something heavy on your back and walk with it, uh, which is also a form of strength training. Yep. So there are many different exercises, many different uh, applications of it. And you could say, well, they're all strength training, but depending on the context, one could be totally useless and one could be super useful, whether you're a runner or a bodybuilder, or of course they train very differently. Yeah. I was about to say uh, useless for whom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then what kind of a type of uh, strength training do you think is the most useful for runners? Yeah. Because you mentioned before uh, Olympic weightlifting, yeah. uh, maybe powerlifting as well, I don't know. Is this different kinds that uh, runners can do? Is or bodybuilding? Is there a big difference between... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, let's super shortly dive into what they are. Bodybuilding refers to building muscle mass for the sake of building muscle mass uh, in most cases. So you want to look better. I mean, if you want to run a, a bigger, yeah. So you want to run a marathon, you want to look good in, in your tank top, then obviously do some bodybuilding because it makes you look cooler when you run across the finish line. Um, sure, that's fine. But is having big shoulders going to help you with actually running faster in your marathon? Probably not. Um, then you have powerlifting, which refers to strength training in general. So the most famous exercises and the most important ones there are squat, bench press, deadlift. And they are the exercises with a barbell where you lift a very heavy weight. And uh, yes, they can actually add a lot for the um, a runner. We'll go into that in a bit. 
Olympic weightlifting is where you have to move very explosively. So you have a heavy weight and you have to get it overhead in a very technical explosive movement. Um, that is awesome for sprinters. For long distance runners, it can have some carryover, but it's so hard to learn those movements and apply them properly in the long run. That for most runners, I would say, well, it's a lot of effort. You're not going to get that much out of it. Maybe stick to the powerlifting movements. So if you want to keep it very black and white, the powerlifting movements, the big, blunt, simple movements, uh, and some variations thereof uh, are probably very useful for a lot of beginners, runners that want to get into strength training a bit. Yeah, you said, uh, let me repeat, it was uh, bench press, deadlifts, and what was the third one? The squat. The squat. They're the official powerlifting movements. Yeah, but I assume that the uh, deadlift uh, and the squat is the most useful because... Yeah, yeah. because yeah, a, a bench press, uh, basically what you do in a bench press, you're literally lying on your back and you're pressing a weight away. Yeah. That is very far removed from what you're doing when you're running or even when you're sprinting. So yeah, it may, look you it may make you look cooler uh, when you bench press a lot. But the squat and the deadlift directly help because they help you strengthen the hips, make your knees more resilient. They uh, teach you to brace your core. So that means that your abs and lower back are going to get stronger, which is also useful to run efficiently, uh, which also brings us to why is strength training good for runners? Well, you have shorter ground contact. You have a less um, movement around the lower back and the abs. So you run more efficiently. Uh, and uh, supposedly not everyone agrees to what extent, but to some extent it will probably reduce risk of injury. So uh, those are the concrete benefits mostly for uh, strength training in general, plus, sorry, for running in general. Plus uh, for some people, let's say you do something like a trail running or you have to do uphill running. Yeah. You also need to be strong because you have to be able to go uphill as well. Yeah. And if you have a lot of meters to make in terms of height, then the stronger you are, uh, well, the easier it gets to actually go uphill. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that's less relevant if you have like a marathon on completely flat surface. Yeah, this was also one of our questions. So uh, what kind of muscles or muscle groups, uh, like everyone probably first thinks of legs, calves, I don't know. Um, but you were just mentioning like the core is actually quite important. Yeah, so it's core, hips. So that means the glutes, the butt mm -hmm. muscles, hamstrings, which is the backside of the legs. And the quads, which is the front side of the upper legs, is slightly less important unless you go uphill. For sprinters, it's important because you get a lot of upper leg use when you get out of the blocks. Mm -hmm. If you're a runner, uh, like a marathon runner, mm -hmm. um, your knees don't do that much. They have to absorb a lot of impact, but you don't actively uh, push down on the floor. You're trying to go forward. When you jump, it's very different. When you jump, you vertically push against the floor. You go up. Mm -hmm. When you run, you're not trying to bounce up and down. Mm -hmm. You're trying to... Bounce uh, forward, yeah. kind of? Yeah, that's, that's how you could say it. So uh, that's more hip dominant instead of knee dominant. So that basically means that uh, the deadlift, where you lift the weight off the floor, it's a lot of glute and hamstring. It has more transfer to uh, a marathon runner. But for a sprinter, I would certainly say do something, do relatively large amounts of squats. Uh, a trail runner that has to go uphill a lot may also help because there's more uh, leg use in there. So even among runners, uh, the strength training that I would recommend may also uh, change a little bit. But if we're just looking at the general runner that we see outside most of the time, A little bit of squats just to keep the knees strong and healthy. And other than that, a lot of hinging, which means deadlifts and, and exercises like that are probably most beneficial and most efficient use of your time. Yeah. You were also mentioning that uh, it's uh, helping with, or it can help uh, with injury. Yeah. Uh, do you want to uh, a little bit elaborate that a little Because bit Because the more? last episode we had uh, Elina and Chantal from uh, uh, Physiotherapist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Uh, and uh, we talked about running injuries and uh, the running form is actually very important mm-hmm. uh, to have your body uh, ready to take on the load that you're giving it to, to the body. Yeah. And, uh, and and that is also through preparation, through uh, not only running, but everything that is uh, around it. So it could be nutrition, sleep, uh, but also strength training or any kind of training that prepares your body to take on those those shocks or being able to push with your muscles. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's not only the legs. Because as we know now, we established this, that uh, it's also the core, mm-hmm. the, the yep. hips, uh, the alignment and everything. So yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, Basically, what you just said is probably the most concise way to say it. Your body needs to be prepared to handle that load. Because this is for every single movement you do. Um, imagine uh, you have a beginner who's never lifted a weight uh, off the floor and you let them do uh, randomly, they, they lift up a heavy weight and they hurt their back. Meanwhile, there's people who with a with like a really bad form, they can lift three or four times that weight without any issues at all. Why? That's because things like injuries and pain can be fairly complex because you have to look at the loadability that can be physical, like how much weight, how much force, how much uh, shock can that knee handle, like the tendons and the ligaments and so on. But there's also the neurological part. So when does your body sense danger? So we see, for example, that in uh, runners, they have a very high pain tolerance. They're very good at pushing through things. But in strength athletes, we see that they do not have as much pain tolerance, but they have a higher pain threshold. So let's say that- uh, uh, Can you define that? Yeah. yeah but- they actually have tests for that. Um, if uh, all three of us would stick our hand in completely ice cold water. Yeah. Uh, as a strength athlete, I would probably uh, tolerate way uh, more discomfort before it starts hurting. But once we have all three found our place where it starts hurting, yeah, you guys can probably hold it for way longer than I can. Ah, so you guys can it. tolerate yeah. it better and I can handle more before it actually starts hurting. Yeah. But once it starts hurting, you guys are probably better at taking that pain. That's a very black and white way to put it. But the whole um, hand in ice cold water is one of the ways they test it. Yeah. Because if it's really cold, it is going to hurt. Um, so for me, it will take longer before it starts hurting. But once it starts hurting, I'm probably going to tap out first. Yeah. Get it. At least that's, that's interesting. What yeah. Research yeah. Said. You know that. So imagine that if you do both, that means you should be very resilient in terms of how you experience uh, yeah. pain. Yeah, that you're first, like it starts later before you even start hurting and then you basically can push through. Exactly. And that's also part of the sport because you know have to, you have to know how to pace, you have to know when to speed up and when to slow down, when is the pain okay, when is the pain not okay. So yeah. when you say about you have to prepare your body for the load, that is 100% true, but there's a mental part. That's like how well do you take it? A yeah. neurological part, which is uh, when do you even experience it? And there's a physical part. How much can you handle before you, I don't know, your tendons give out or because they start tearing or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, um, what you said was very concise and strength training can add to all three of those aspects. Nice. So now we know that if we do running and strength training, we can probably survive longer in an icy water in case of and you we go also, on the Titanic and then um, you end yeah, up in the water. Basically. Yeah. And uh, also more proficient for the actual run. For the actual one <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's also important. It was yeah. actually about running. I that forgot. That could be one thing. Yeah, as well. <laughs> quick break, I need to tell you that we are on Patreon. Support us for the little cost of a coffee a month. Well, besides when you are one of these fancy fancy frappuccino people, you know who you are, then it actually will be cheaper than your fancy fancy frappuccino. I also want to say a special thank you to our first patron, our first supporter, Alexandro. Special shout out to you. We love and appreciate your support. So thank you very much. As a supporter of the show, you receive access to exclusive content. Check out patreon.com slash whatthecrewpodcast. Link in the show notes. See you there. Well, imagine uh, we are completely newbies to this uh, entire strength training. We only have been running for our entire life. Yeah. 
we are starting uh, strength. We are now listening to the podcast and we realize, okay, there are benefits for me. I should pick it up. Like, how difficult is it? Like, uh, when do I see results or how how easy is it to to gain strength? Um, first thing I would say is get a coach because uh, obviously it depends on, you know, genetics and, and all that sort of stuff. But doing the right things and being efficient about it can help a lot. Yeah. Because sometimes you have someone who goes into the gym, does random stuff, and they're just spinning their wheels for months on end. And they're like, well, I haven't achieved anything. Well, no, because you're doing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. I guess those guys usually end up on YouTube <laughs> doing weird stuff in um, the machines. I wouldn't say something <laughs> like this, but I can't be on YouTube as well. Uh, well, it is true that some people are doing weird stuff because they don't understand what, what they're supposed yeah. to do. Uh, a simple example is you sometimes see with boxers that they will box. Uh, and then maybe they're very good at it. And then they go into the gym and they start grabbing super heavy weights and they start mimicking the punch. That's not what you, how you want to improve. First of all, because um, using heavy weights will alter your uh, coordination. So it may actually worsen your punching technique. Uh, but you also don't want to uh, make that heavier because that's not how you improve your punching technique. Punching technique starts from the hips. So that yep. means you need to, get, need to get your hips stronger. And um, so a lot of people, they're like, Oh, well, I use my legs a lot, so I'm going to leg press a lot. So a leg press is just like a squat in a machine uh, because then my legs are stronger, so I'll get better at running. Uh, it, it may help a little bit, but it's certainly not most efficient use of your time. So how hard is it to get started? Well, just like running, you could just go into the gym and do it. You could yep. just put on your shoes and go outside for a run. Yeah. But if you have a proper program, if you know how much to do and when, that certainly helps a lot. So how fast can you gain strength? Uh, it depends on a lot of people, but yeah. I have seen people um, starting with, I don't know how to lift the weight off the floor to uh, lifting a hundred kilos off the floor. Um, while this lady was, I don't know, I think she weighed like 80 kilos. She lifted more than hundred kilos in a year's time, even though she was not a strength athlete. She uh, did CrossFit, she did strength on the side, but simply by consistently following a solid program and working hard, she built that up. But I've also seen people get stronger faster than that. I've seen people get stronger, slower than that. There's a whole bunch of factors in there. But any beginner without uh, any uh, issues with injuries who does a proper program and works hard enough can see very consistent progress at the start. Yeah. And so I would always recommend uh, for anyone, runners, martial artists, whatever, grab the low-hanging fruit because it costs you so little effort uh, in terms of time and money to uh, build a base of strength. And that the low-hanging fruit already has an impact on your running performance or your martial arts performance. On top of that, you could always say, well, I'm going to do all these complicated things three times a week, whatever. Most people don't even need to do that. Yeah. You were saying like uh, she built uh, quite a decent strength uh, by just consistently putting uh, time uh, in. And you then also later said, um, if you want to get the low hanging fruit, you can do it very efficiently. Because like what is like what is consistently like once a week, twice a week? Do you actually have or can we not put a number on it? Because it really depends. Well, obviously the last answer is the best answer, but um, consistently does not refer to how often, it refers to how consistent you are. So it is better to do once a week and be very consistent about it than training two times a week for a month and then just letting everything go and not training for three months. Mm -hmm. So I'm not too worried about uh, the exact number of training mm -hmm. sessions. For a lot of people, once a week is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the more advanced you get, the more often you have to train. But for a lot of runners who just want to do some sport-specific strength training, Once a week for a beginner is certainly fine. 45 minutes, you could be done. If you want to do the absolute, absolute minimum for some base strength, I would say learn a Romanian deadlift, which is, uh, it's a variation of picking a weight off the floor, basically. Learn that, start light, fix your technique, add a kilo every week, because that would literally give you 50 kilos per year. That would literally take you half an hour of your week to do that. 
Now, of course, if you want to do it right, you're probably going to do some extra exercises. Yeah. But if you want to do the absolute minimum, just that, that could already make you stronger. The reason why a lot of people don't experience that is because they do not do the efficient movements. They do not consistently add weight. That would be like running a 5K today. And on Friday, you do another 5K. And next week, you're going to do the same thing. 5K, 5K, you do that twice a week and you do that for three months. Of course, in the beginning, you're going to improve. And at some point, you're going to stagnate because you're yep. doing the exact same thing. Yep. You have to either do tempo runs, you have to do running drills, you have to uh, add more volume, so more miles yep. per week. You have to, at some point, give your body an extra stimulus. And a lot of people just don't do that. They just sort of half-ass it and, yep. you know. Especially yep. with running. A lot of people go, we, I think we discussed that the last time, uh, a lot of people go with their usual routes, usual pace, and yep. they don't change anything. Yep. So you reach a point, you're just stagnating and it's just... Okay, you, you get your workout in, but you're not going to progress. That's yeah. the thing. So, yeah. so it may do something for your health, but it's certainly yeah. not going to help you run a marathon. And exactly. it's boring. Well, yeah. It's fucking boring. <laughs> like it really depends on your goal. If it's like just to you go out, you clear ahead, uh, you do this uh, just to... Sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Instead of sitting on your ass on the couch by clearing her head. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> cool. But if you actually want to progress, you have to put extra stimulus in. Yeah, absolutely. Or does it called stimuli in the plural? Stimuli. Stimuli. Yeah. Stimuli. 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 Yeah. Okay, well, we learned again something. Latin, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that was actually uh, uh, one of our questions uh, as well. Um, if there would be one exercise that you had to recommend to uh, uh, runners, one strength exercise, uh, and I think you just said, if you want a minimum, do the Romanian bad deadlift. Is this the answer that you would give? Or? Well, it depends. It depends. I'm Very sure good. You, I'm Always sure you saw that depends. coming. Yeah, you saw it coming. No, so the reason why I'm saying it depends in this case is, of course, I could say, well, Romanian deadlift is great because it teaches you to brace your core mm -hmm. and use your glutes and your hamstrings and all that. Um, sure, there's something to be said for that. However, a lot of people cannot properly execute it. They need yeah. to learn technically. Imagine that it takes you one month to learn that exercise. Yeah. That would be a month of technical training where you probably would not get a lot stronger. Maybe you could have done a farmer's walk. So a farmer's walk is where you have weights in your hands and you walk with it. So mm -hmm. it basically is like a really heavy variation of walking that also makes your abs stronger in that same pattern because you're actually walking. Yep. Um, that would maybe be a lot easier because I assume that every runner knows how to walk. I mean, bold assumption, but that's I what so. I, yeah, I certainly hope that. Um, so then maybe for a lot of people to get quicker results, that would actually make more sense because they can literally start building up from day one rather yep. than, you know, spending a lot of sessions doing technique training. Uh, and then there may be people who have back issues and their physical therapist says, well, you should probably should not start deadlifting. And then we'll say, well, okay, let's do a variation a, uh, or a squat mo motion instead. Slightly more focus on the upper legs, but you're still using your butt. You're still using your hamstrings at least to stabilize the knees. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that. Yeah. But in general, assuming someone picks up technique fast and so on, I would say, well, the first thing I'm going to teach you is to hinge properly. So that's to deadlift or to Romanian deadlift yep. or kettlebell swing even, something like that. Yep. How fast can you lose your strength if you stop training? Um, well, it depends. But uh, it goes very fast if you stop moving at all. But if you stay in the same pattern, you can maintain it fairly easily. So let's say that I have um, a, a squat and I have a lunge. Mm -hmm. So if I normally squat, and I would stop squatting, but I would still lunge. I would probably maintain a lot of my squat strength, maybe even build it for beginners. But at the very least, I would probably maintain it reasonably. Um, if you have a normal, reasonably active life, but do no sports, you usually use your base strength in around three, four weeks. It starts deteriorating pretty quickly. Your specific strength uh, goes a bit faster. Uh, so that means that if I have like a hundred kilo squat, if I uh, stop training for a week, then it starts going down a little bit. 
of my base strength, so the, the total force output that I can do in a workout, that's probably going to stay roughly the same for a few weeks. So that means someone who wants to maintain their strength, that's super easy for a lot of people. But actually improving it, that's usually more effort, especially the more advanced you get. A beginner could easily get stronger with the, the, the 30 minutes per week that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But for an advanced athlete, like if we're talking about a strength athlete, you have strength tra athletes training every day or even twice a day in some cases. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes me think about um, athletes that I was following on Instagram and uh, when it's off season, so I'm talking about runners, mm -hmm. when it's off season, they do a lot of uh, gym workouts, uh, strength and whatever. So, and less running because obviously it's not the time with, to training and you don't have the coach or whatever. So my question is when they prepare their next season, I guess, or try to keep their strength uh, during the off season, then is it something that um, you need to go on with when it's the, the season is on again to to uh, keep this this what you built before yeah uh, with a minimum of uh, amount of training mm -hmm. or you really have to keep on putting the same amount of effort afterwards uh, well what what is your point of that on, on view of that um, it depends it depends so let us assume that for this specific athlete we're talking about uh, a runner let's say it's a, a marathon runner for example yep. or, or a 20k runner whatever so um, before your event your competition or whatever you need to do specifically what your sport requires of you so you need to run to be a good marathon runner obviously the further you get away from your uh, competition or your event the more you can deviate from that So let's say that um, this runner wants to be strong, but also very fit in terms of conditioning and also wants to look good and so on. The further you are away from your event, the more weird stuff you do. You do some bodybuilding work if you want to. You do your general strength training. You want to do, I don't know, maybe you do some CrossFit on the side. Maybe you have some other sports. You play soccer with your friends, whatever. That's what you mostly do away from competition. The closer you get to your event, the more energy you need to put in your sport. So yep. for a marathon, at some point, you're doing dozens of miles per week. Um, you don't have the physical and probably mental capacity to do all the other stuff on the side. So the more you start running, when the miles go up, then you start leaving out more of the other stuff. It doesn't mean you completely stop doing it. You just emphasize or de-emphasize something. So let's say that off season, you're emphasizing, um, well, your CrossFit, your bodybuilding, your strength training, so on. And the more you get towards your uh, events, the more you start de-emphasizing those things. So your strength training may go from three times a week back to one once a week. Yep. You're still doing it or even once every two weeks. Um, and you're putting in lots and lots of miles on the road just to be able to do your, um, uh, you know, your marathon. Yep. Prep. There is a different um, point of view uh, and that's uh, refers to concurrent training and concurrent training specifically tries to do uh, strength and um, conditioning at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that could be a runner who also does Olympic weightlifting. So Olympic weightlifting is very strong, explosive, fast, more like sprinting. And then the opposite end, you have marathon uh, running and then you want to combine the two. Yeah, There are some people that say you can do both at the same time and you can do some uh, them at the same time. It's just very hard to program because you don't want to get slow and marathon running makes you relatively slow compared to sprinting, for example. That's why sprinters usually don't do marathons. But on the other hand, being very good at sprinting does not directly transfer over to marathons. Yep. So you have to be smart about how you plan that in your week. And for anyone beyond the beginner stage, it can be pretty complicated. But what um, the hybrid athlete does, um, there's this guy from Complete Human Performance. That's the name of the company. Alex Viada is the owner. And he, he specializes in this. So what he wants is that someone is able to do like a powerlifting competition and a marathon within two weeks of each other. So what he does is he trains all those things in one week. 
Um, so what I just said, like that's like, like the classics uh, thing. Off season, you do this and you, you de-emphasize all the weird stuff and mm-hmm. you focus on your event. He says, no, you just do everything at the same time. Uh, progress is slower that way because you're trying to do everything at the same time. But because there's so much variation, you don't even need that many deload and rest weeks because you know one half of the week you're focusing on conditioning, other half of the week you're focusing on more intense but uh, stuff like like strength training or whatever. And altogether, you can go for a very long time, slowly, emphasis slowly, yeah, but progressing consistently, so that at some point you can say, well, I'm going to do my powerlifting competition today, and in two weeks from now I'm going to run a marathon. Um, and uh, Alex Viada, the guy who's behind it, I think he had like a 415 or 416 mile uh, together with a 300 plus kilo deadlift. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers were. It was something like that. And I, I met the guy cool. in real life and the guy has, is he's huge. He's like <laughs> shorter than I am, but I think he weighs 20 kilos more in pure muscle. It's pretty insane. Wow. Plus he's a really cool guy, super knowledgeable. So definitely check him out online. Well, do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking like, oh, that sounds kind of a win-win. Like you have everything from both worlds, but it is of course like shorter because you also don't have to take less deload weeks, you said. For a lot of people, yeah. For a, because yeah. you don't overstrain one yeah. system in the body that much. Yeah. Because when you run and you only run and you run four or five times a week and you put in, I don't know, dozens of miles, you put a lot of stress on the impact on your ankles and knees, for example. Uh, but with that system, you run less often uh, but you do strength training on the side, but you never stress your joints with the strength training that much because you don't do it that often. Yeah. I was about to say, uh, but aren't you then like, like sore or like, uh, putting a, still a taxation on the same muscles? Uh, to some extent, but muscles recover pretty quickly. It's usually other systems. You have nine systems in your body. You have, uh, you have the contractile tissue. That's the muscles. Mm-hmm. You have the non-contractile tissue, which is like the, the bones, for example, mm-hmm. You have a neurological system. You have the central nervous system, which is your brain and your spine. You have the peripheral nervous system, which is the nerves throughout your body. You have a lot of enzymes in your body that function as a catalyst for all these processes like, um, you know, uh, um, converting uh, a fat into energy in your body, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, a lot of these processes and a lot of these enzymes and a lot of these uh, structures, they can get damaged, they can get depleted and so on. But if you stress one system, uh, and it needs to rest, you can still stress another system. What systems are most stressed with strength training and running? Um, in strength training, um, I would say uh, the uh, muscles a lot because mm-hmm. depending on the style, but in mm-hmm. general, there's a lot of muscle damage. But on the other end of the spectrum, when you do um, long distance bike riding, let's say like a Tour de France thing, yep. there's not a lot of muscle damage because you have like concentric, which means you push against gravity or mm-hmm. against the weight. And eccentric is when uh, the weight comes back down. Mm-hmm. So when I do a push-up, the way down is eccentric, the way up is concentric. Mm-hmm. The concentric does not cause a lot of muscle damage. So when you ride on a bike, there is no eccentric. So there's very little muscle damage, but you put so many hours on the road that your muscles are going to be depleted from energy in the sense of a glycogen, which is the sugars in your body. So you're looking at two different things. You're not going to deplete your body from glycogen with a strength training workout. Yep. But at the same time, a bike ride is not going to give you that much muscle damage. It's yep. the reason why you usually don't get sore from riding a bike. But doing squats, if you're new to it, uh, just a few sets and you're going to be sore for the first few days. Yep. So those are that's just one example of how two very different sports stress your systems very differently, yep. which means you can easily combine them in one week. Yeah. Because, because while one is recovering, you can you know work on the other. Yeah, but I didn't ask about cycling. About, yeah. about running. Oh, running is basically it? the same principple. There is more muscle damage in uh, uh, running. The reason why I mentioned cycling is because it's such an easy answer, just like swimming, yeah. there is no eccentric. Yeah. Uh, running is a bit in between. 
uh, because there is an impact, there is an eccentric, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. there's a shock force. But the range of motion is so small, there's still not that much uh, muscle damage. No. More than in uh, swimming or uh, cycling, which is what I usually recommend as active recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still not even close to what you do in a, a squat or a deadlift. So um, when I say, hey, go do some active recovery, do some low impact stuff for your health, you could run. But uh, it, it has a bunch of benefits. Running is also good for brain function and so on. That's something you don't see in cycling, for example. Um, but still, um, it, because the impact is so low, it's a great way to get your cardio going without stressing your body too much. So it really depends, again, on uh, personal preference and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and it also depends on your fitness. Because uh, if you would let me run, there would be a lot of damage everywhere. But if an experienced runner goes for the same distance, let's say I have to run a 5K and uh, an experienced runner runs a 5K, an experienced marathon runner, that's an active recovery for them. For me, that's like, all out battle against yeah. my own mental limitations <laughs> and whatever, just to, you know, be able to finish the 5k. Yeah. Uh, so the stress is also very different there. So also that depends on how experienced are you. Yeah. Many factors. Um, yeah. I guess uh, some of our listeners will be, um, if you're really completely new to strength training, you're yeah. convinced, yeah, I'm doing this now, yeah. but they might be worried that because they have absolutely or they think they have absolutely no strength base, that they will be just fucking sore yeah. uh, the day after they uh, they did some maybe squat or like uh, lunges or something like yeah. this. Um, but they wanted to, they plan to run the day after. So it's not super fun to go running if you have like super heavy legs. Yeah. Is this something that they should be worried about or is there a way to go around it maybe to, I don't know. Um, the first thing I would say is start easy because if you go into a gym and you start and you see this leg building program that you got off the internet and you're doing lots of squats mm -hmm. and lots of lunges, then you're going to the machines and you're doing leg presses and you're doing Bulgarian split squats, then you have some sort of air squat finisher. Um, yeah, you're not going to be able to run for the next week. Yeah. But if you just start easy, you're going to be a bit sore. Absolutely. That's from, there's a few people who are rarely sore, but for most people, you're going to be a little bit sore from, you know, uh, doing something you're not used to. I mean, even sleeping in a weird position is going to give you a sore neck. Anything yep. that you're not used to will probably get you sore for a little bit. But if you are used to it, which means if you consistently, there's the word again, consistently mm -hmm. do something, you'll be less and less sore. So for me, for example, if I do, um, I don't know, let's say a barbell row or a push up or, you know, a, some of the more common strength exercises, they don't make me sore because I have been doing them for the last six weeks consistently. Yep. So it does not make me sore. Yep. But I have not done... Uh, Run. Uh, <laughs> I have not done squats in a while, for example. So if I would do squats now, they would probably make me sore because yeah. I have not done them in a while. Even though I've done them a lot in the past, I haven't done them in a while. My body's like, dude, what are you doing? It's probably going to make me hurt. Yeah. So um, from beginners, I would say, accept that it's going to hurt for the first few times. But if you start easy, it's probably not going to be too bad. Besides, do a solid warm-up and most of the soreness is usually less anyway. That's a good point. We also discussed with Alina Chantel. Warm-up. We should really do this. Uh, I think most athletes, but especially maybe runners, they're just fucking lazy. They yeah, don't do, uh, I see do this with a lot of weightlifters. I see the same thing. They just want to rush through their warm-up. And of course, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're going to go for an easy 5K as a marathon runner, of course. that 5K could be the warm-up. Exactly, you know? yes. Um, but for me, for example, I would probably have to do some running drills. Uh, I have uh, some knee issues, so I'd probably have to do some prehab exercise for that something. For me, it would be a pretty elaborate warm-up. If you ask me to do a bench press uh, at a moderate weight, uh, I don't even have to do anything specific. I just start with an empty bar, start building up, I'm done. 
But if I'm going to do something super complicated, then I need to take my time. So what I'm not a big fan of is people rolling around on the floor for 45 minutes and doing all this weird stuff just to be able to move. Because if you need 45 minutes of warm up to be able to run for a few hundred meters, then you probably have other issues that you need to attend to with your physio. But yeah, uh, warm up certainly uh, has its place. Although I have to say there are some recent studies that suggest that warm ups do relatively little for performance. Mm -hmm. But again, that depends on what you're trying to do. It's very different if you're trying to do a max effort um, a 5K, like improving your best time, mm -hmm. or if you're going for an easy run. If you're yep. going for an easy run, you probably don't have to worry too much about uh, specific warm-up times because uh, th I think they looked at um, the performance in terms of work at a certain heart rate and how many uh, miles can you do in so much time, something like that. Mm. Yep. And I saw an elaborate warm-up didn't do much over just a short, simple jog just for a warm-up. Uh, so there is something such as overdoing your warm-up. But again, it depends on the person, the situation. Yeah. And exactly uh, what you said, depending on what you're actually going for. Yeah. If it's uh, just the very low heart rate zone, then... Yeah. That is the, the warm-up. That is basically exactly basically the Basically the first 100 meters is your warm-up. So, yeah. yeah. But to prevent injuries, it's, it's something good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would be happy if we say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually do it. <clears throat> yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Consistently. Guys. Yeah. Do I need or do a runner need to go to a gym to do strength training? Or is it something that we can easily do outside a gym without a coach? Especially What's your point now on that? with Corona. So yeah. um, the reason why a coach is so good is because it takes a lot of the thinking away. It prevents you from messing around and doing stuff wrong. So yeah. uh, can you do it without? Yeah, 100%. Uh, you can just find stuff on Google. You can uh, film yourself and, and improve your technique that way. Um, but you have to know what to do so you don't start spinning your wheels for half a year and then wonder why you haven't improved anything at all. Yep. Uh, as for the other part of the question, can you do it at home? Yes, depending on your material. It's not so much about the material as it is about being able to progressively overload. So maybe a runner will say, I'm going to add so many percent of miles every week, for yep. example. Um, a power lifter will say, well, I'm going to do a bench press. Today I'm doing a 40 kilos. Next time I'm doing 41, then 42 and so on. You have to have a way to make it harder when you're at home. Yeah. Could be a dumbbell that you have at home. If you have bands, you could do it. Yeah. Uh, you could make bodyweight movements harder by going slower or, or something like that. But you have to keep adding either a weight or some way to make it harder. Yeah. So if you have like, well, uh, I have a band at home. I'm going to do squats. Well, it's way too easy. You can do lots of reps. Well, I'm going to do banded squats. Okay. And you build that up and then you have a lot of reps. What are you going to do then? Well, then you have to be creative. Um, go to a lunge variation, a Bulgarian split squat, anything on one leg that makes it harder. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what after that? So you have to know all those exercises because a lot of people listening to this may have never heard of a Bulgarian split squat. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to guarantee that you're actually progressing? So yeah, it's certainly possible to do it at home, but you need to have some basic knowledge on how to progress when you do that. I'm not even too worried about the technique because technique is literally something you can find on Google. Uh, but having a proper long-term progression for that Yeah. Um, uh, that's it's, uh, not something a lot of people actually know about. So probably a good solution known as short term than in the long term. If you really want to progress and have this yeah. as part of your, your week. I mean, Or, hmm? sorry, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, th there's online coaches these days as well, and they can film you. Uh, for my girlfriend, back when she did CrossFit, I had a uh, running analysis done for her. That was online. We showed a video from the side, from the back, from the front of her yeah. running. Uh, and the guy had this super elaborate analysis about what happened, gave all these exercises she could do at home when running and all that, uh, running drills, uh, things to improve the, um, uh, the the movement of the upper back in running yep. mm -hmm. instead of, you the know, be, having slack. Form. Exactly. All those things. 
Um, plus that whole analysis, which was awesome. Uh, so that works. That's also an option. But, you know, nothing beats a coach just being there and on the spot saying, do this, do that. Yeah. It's I also some kind of uh, accountability. I oh, didn't yeah. see a lot yeah. of uh, strength class online, like coaching, uh, because running it's, I think it's an unknown thing now with the running analysis, with the running form. Uh, it's it's quite easy to do um, through uh, the web. Yeah. Um, but I guess strength is maybe more well, are complex. Are we not in the scene? It? I think it's more that you guys are not in the scene because there's actually yeah. a lot of people doing it. Um, the only big difference is um, for a, if, some, if you have a very singular goal like running, um, there's a very big chance that a coach will want to do a running analysis. You know, he wants to see you run. He wants yeah, to give you critique starts on that. with that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're a powerlifter, he wants to see your squat, your bench, your deadlift. He wants to see your paused bench press. He wants to see a deadlift variation. He wants to see the one leg squat variation. There's a lot more to analyze. So in that sense, it's a bit more time intensive, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, no, there's just tons of people doing it. I do it myself. Uh, I mostly emphasize weightlifting, but I have two people who do more bodybuilding, powerlifting stuff. Uh, and it works fine. I try to invite them over once in a while to train, but they mostly yep. train by themselves. And it works. They just send me videos through WhatsApp and I give them feedback on that. So yeah, it happens a lot. Um, in weightlifting as well. But I know that a friend of mine who has his own company who does a lot of powerlifters and bodybuilders. Um, yeah, that's mostly online and that works great. Oh yeah, awesome, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I guess uh, then it's also a preference and a question of uh, motivation as well. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, me included, if I don't go to the gym, I'm not going to be very much motivated to work by myself at home yeah. or outside. Yeah. yeah. Having uh, a coach, uh, even an online coach can already help because yep. of the accountability thing that we've mentioned before. That certainly helps. Yep. Um, but you certainly need... Um, you need certain qualities as an online athlete. You need to have a certain amount of independence. You need to have a certain amount of uh, coachability. I mean, some athletes are notorious for, you know, uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing. Oh, I feel like doing this today. And you're going off program. Sometimes it's not that bad, but sometimes you can mess up a whole program that way. Yeah. Uh, I've had it happen with an athlete of mine in the past. And basically he had to deadlift twice a week. So uh, one light and one heavy. And on that light day, he was like, oh, it went so well, I went heavy. And then uh, on the other day, he was so tired, he couldn't do his heavy deadlifts anymore. And suddenly this whole week was like flipped upside down. Yep. Worst thing was, I only heard about this the week after. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't correct him either. Too late. But yeah. And that's the bad thing about online coaching. And he did not have that, um, how would you say it? He did not have that independence of following a program strictly. And it really depends on the person. Some people are just not made to be online coached. They just need someone beside them telling them what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, any drawbacks for a runner? Uh, anything that uh, you could say uh, in comparison to strength training, yeah. when is it too much? Because you mentioned uh, low-hanging fruits. Yeah. When does it not become low-hanging anymore? Um, the term low-hanging fruit ref uh, basically refers to how much can you achieve with minimal effort. Yeah. Once that effort starts uh, uh, exceeding what you're willing to put in or able to put in, so it could be physical because, of course, Strength training is also more volume on your body. At some mm -hmm. point, it's going to hurt you. So, of course, if it causes injuries, but that's very obvious. Aside from that, it's usually more a matter of time, energy, fun, money, yep. stuff like that. So, uh, when is it too much? If it, uh, de well, two things. One, if it detracts from your fun in training in general. Some people do strength training as a necessary evil. Uh, or when it starts attracting from your main sport. So, let's say that you do strength training so much that you cannot properly do your uh, marathon prep. Like I said, marathon prep is usually very high volume. 
Uh, and if at some point, at any point there, you're like, well, I have to do Bulgarian split squats and my other squats and my lunges, whatever. And that means your legs are so tired that you cannot make your 22 kilometer run that day. Yeah, obviously then strength training is actually messing with your marathon prep. Yeah. So uh, once it starts uh, hampering your um, prep, sorry, your main sport basically, or when it starts attracting from your fun uh, effort you're willing to put in money, time, energy, stuff like that, then it is too much. But other than that, there is no such thing as being too strong or whatever. That's what I actually thought. <clears throat> yeah. um, that it's also a lot that you hear with women uh, that they don't want to do strength training because they don't become, want to be, become bulky. Mm -hmm. And if you're really for the long endurance running, you try to be relatively light, you try to be uh, yeah. efficient. And muscles are heavy. So um, Well, it depends on how much you have. And depending on the way you train and the way you eat and sleep and so on, you're not going to build that much muscle. Ah, that's then, what I wanted to hear. Yeah. And then there is, yeah, I mean, if you look at people who are actually trying to build muscle, they have to put in a lot of effort to significantly build some muscle mass. That's not counting the fact that a lot of runners, a lot of people gravitate towards what they're already good at. Mm -hmm. So if you have short legs like me, you're more likely uh, to gravitate towards strength training because you're built to squat, basically. Mm -hmm. If you're tall and you have long legs, you are built to run or row. So there's a bigger chance that you will end up running because squatting is going to be very hard for you. People tend to gravitate towards what fits them. Yeah. Kind of. mm -hmm. um, and those people are usually not that good at building muscle because people with longer legs tend to have like uh, skinnier ankles and so on. That, that's some genetic factors or genetic signs that people will build muscle mass less quickly. Then there's, of course, the way you train and the way you eat, which also impacts how much muscle you build. And then there is the fact that um, uh, I usually make the comparison with the car. Uh, putting a bigger engine in the car does not necessarily make the car slower, but uh, it only makes the car slower if the engine is not efficient or not working properly. Mm -hmm. So if you have one kilo of extra muscle mass, but it makes you so much stronger, more resilient, faster, more efficient, and so on, then it's just going to improve your running, even if you're a kilo heavier. Mm -hmm. But if you become five kilos heavier in muscle mass and it only improves your running a little bit, mm -hmm. yeah, then it's super inefficient. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, I've never heard of anyone um, who just a little bit of, who did sport-specific strength training get slower from it. Yeah. Because imagine that you can uh, deadlift 100 kilos and taking a step in running takes you a one, uh, I don't know, 2% of your energy. Yeah. If you get two times as strong, it only costs you 1% of your energy. Yeah. Obviously in practice, it doesn't work that black and white, but it does uh, illustrate the point that being stronger means that every movement you make costs you less energy. Yeah. Uh, so the you need a balance between how much stronger do you get and how much heavier do you get. Yeah. That's basically all there is to it. That's a yeah, I guess it depends also on your physique, basically. Yeah. Sometimes some people are going to train hours and hours in the gym and they're going to get stronger, but actually don't put a lot of muscle on. Yeah, like it depends physical. on a lot of things. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have a lot of example of people training hard in a gym, but also still being awesome runners. And we actually have our common friend, uh, James, mm -hmm. who is an awesome runner, super fast, mm -hmm. uh, had used to train a lot, like almost, I think I could say pro, um, I don't know, but extremely fast, a lot of marathon and yeah. other uh, races. And now an awesome uh, crossfitter. Uh, also, he do a lot of uh, strength, I think. He's getting a lot better at weightlifting yeah. as well. Yeah. So, uh, he, he's quite bulky compared to what he was a couple of, uh, or a year ago, Yeah, but he's still super fast. Oh, he is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he may not be as good as he was before, but that's because his goals have shifted. Sure. Um, so he now carries a little more muscle mass than he would need. But even when he was a marathon runner, it was not like he was extremely skinny. He was way skinnier he, than now. Of course. Yeah. But uh, he still had some decent muscle mass yeah. because of uh, some sprinting in the past and all that. Um, and what you see in these people is that it can have carryover then it's positive. 
But of course, if you train for different goals, it's going to be harder. You're not going to be the best in the world at 10 things at the same time. But you can be pretty good at all those things at the same time. And that's, uh, again, depends on the goal. Yep. You can be very good at running and very good at lifting. Are you going to be the best lifter or the best runner? Probably not. But instead of getting a 10 out of 10 on all uh, on one sport, you're getting an 8 out of 10 on five different sports. That is certainly possible. That's the whole concept behind CrossFit. You're not going to be the best runner, the best lifter, the best gymnast, but you're going to be pretty good at all of them. So that's possible. Again, it just depends on your goals. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I think it's time uh, to ask the questions from our audience. Yes. We have for each episode that we have a question from the audience and you can send them directly through our Instagram or Facebook or leave a vocal message on speakpipe.com slash what to crew podcast. But all the links as always in the show notes below. Uh, the first question we have is from Tim Kekser. Hey, Tim. Um, and he asked, is there a difference in strength training for ultra endurance and compared to sprinters? If so, how would you train for either one? Um, yes, there is a difference. And it has, to, uh, it has to do with the whole time unit I mentioned before. So let's say you have an endurance event, ultra endurance event. It takes you three hours, five hours, or even longer if you have those extreme events. Uh, in the US, they have these three-day events. Yeah. We have to go like through the mountains and it's like 70 hours of whatever. Yeah. Um, when you train for that, uh, you don't have to be super strong for that. But when you're a sprinter, well, you're putting a lot of force in that one foot that is going into the floor. Uh, I think in change of direction, so that's like in soccer and play sports, yeah. you have to be able uh, to put like seven or eight times your body weight into your foot, into the floor to be able to change your direction. That's how strong you need to be. Uh, so that means that the stronger you are, the better you are at change of direction or in sprinting, in pushing against the floor. So for sprinting, I would do a lot more strength work. Uh, for ultra endurance, again, just a low-hanging fruit. Sprinters have to do more than that when they want to be really, really good. But the biggest difference would probably be that for sprinters, I would do some Olympic weightlifting or jumping variations. Also loaded because they have to be able to get that um, fine line between speed and strength together. Whereas the ultra endurance athlete doesn't need that much speed. He needs to be able to survive for three days, you know, in that extreme event. Yep. He needs some base strength. He needs some base conditioning. Uh, but once you go beyond a few hour mark, your conditioning doesn't have to be that much better. You have to be mentally strong. Your joints have to be strong. You have to know how to manage your nutrition for three days. Uh, you have to be able not uh, to run without getting blisters everywhere on your feet and all that sort of stuff. But it's not like you're uh, going to be a lot faster in a 12-hour event than in a 14-hour event in the sense of uh, your running pace because you're already nearing your, your, your physical limit of how fast can you run. So the, the focus becomes very different there. I would still have them do the low-hanging fruit for you know more resilient joints. Yep. But other than that, I see very little reason to teach someone to do the super complicated snatch, clean, whatever's. <laughs> Uh, for a ultra-endurance athlete. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning this also in the beginning that uh, for sprinters, Olympic weightlifting uh, is something advisable because it has the combination of uh, strength and speed. Yeah. Um, now, since we are training with uh, you also at Unscared, we know that Olympic weightlifting means like this, the snatch and the yeah. clean and jerk. I'm quite surprised that this translates to running because it's like a, a quick movement overhead, but it's like from my feeling like that upper body, like arm movement, how can this help me be speedy with my legs? So uh, for those that don't know how a snatch or a clean works, basically there is a weight on the floor that needs to go onto your shoulders or overhead. Um, the thing is, when you look on the outside, it kind of looks like someone stands up and then pulls the weight up to wherever. But it's actually the legs explosively throwing the weight into the air 
and the arms are guiding the bar to wherever you want it. Mm. So um, imagine an exercise like a snatch pull or a clean pull, which is where you just stand up really quickly, but you don't get it overhead. Um, that would also be a great exercise, a lot easier. And you basically get all the lower body work without the upper body work. The reason why some people still opt for snatches and cleans is because you learn how to handle impact from the barbell. Uh, you have a lot of co-contraction around a lot of joints, which means that you learn to stabilize joints really fast. So there's a bunch of benefits in there. But short versions of those movements are probably better for a lot of people because they can learn it quickly. And you could always build up to a full movements. But those partial movements, as we call them, yeah, they're great for sprinting because basically what you're doing is extending your knees and hips really fast. What are you doing in yeah. sprinting? You're extending your knees and hips really fast while the core and back are under tension. So um, what is really important with sports-specific strength training is don't look at uh, how specific is the movement. Look at how specific is the adaptation. So uh, a snatch or a clean will make you faster or more explosive. That is the adaptation you want for a sprinter. It doesn't look like a sprint, obviously. Yeah. If I'm doing a deadlift, it doesn't look like I'm running. Yep. But the adaptation is that my core and my hips get stronger. So don't look at the exercise, whether it looks like your main sport. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you don't have to box with heavy dumbbells in yeah, your hands. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But you want to look at the adaptation that you're looking for. And that's a very different way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you have that way of thinking, that explains your question. Yeah. Because it was a very good question. I'm doing all this weird stuff overhead. How does it help with running? Yeah. Well, the adaptation is that your hips and legs get explosive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's um, actually when you explained it, I was like, oh, Shit, I did never really pay good attention apparently in your class. Because <laughs> you should come to class more often. <laughs> uh, the, the movement comes from the legs and the hips. I should have known. It's been a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a second question from um, Kenneth Platt. Uh, says, hey, Jeremy, knowing you as an all-round athlete that you are, ha -ha. what's your favorite running distance? And then he followed up with just kidding, wondering though, what's your max distance ever? We're well, talking about running. Obviously, my favorite running distance is the shortest one possible. So uh, that would be, um, well, I don't know. What what distance do some sprinters do? It's like 20, 30 meters. Oh, just I practice thought, start. Like, I thought like, oh, what's the distance from my couch to the fridge? Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I definitely won't run that. <laughs> no, um, I know that um, for sprinting, sometimes you practice starting position and the um, start of the sprint. So you only yep. have like 20, mm -hmm. 30, 40 meter sprint, stuff like that. Uh, that would be my favorite, probably. Because that's probably the only thing I would be reasonably good at. Um, my max distance ever, I'm not sure. But back when I did running, I think the longest I've ever done was like maybe three or four kilometers at most. I don't think I've ever run for more than than 15, 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. And probably not at a very high pace either. And uh, probably no chance that you do this anytime soon to improve. <laughs> you said. Maybe if I, I actually contacted a, uh, um, a hybrid athlete coach last year to mm -hmm. help me with my running form because I had so many shin issues. It wasn't shin splint. It was a, a bad shin pump that I got. I thought it was compartment syndrome, which is where there's a lot of blood flow to your shins. Mm -hmm. But it probably has to do with my running form because I stomp really hard when I run. So I asked him for it, but then the lockdown happened right when we were supposed to get started. So I actually was at near the end of last year, I considered like, okay, I want to at least be able to run two or three kilometers at a low pace because even when I walk fast, I get pain in my shins. Okay. Yeah. That's because, how bad it is. Yeah. You were saying like, um, it's probably because you have bad running form where I was like, okay, so you know about your running form. Are you running right now? But like you say, even oh, yeah, with yeah. quick walking, you get it already. Yeah. Just fast walking. I've had a lot in the past, just fast walking to the bus or whatever. Yeah. I would get a shin pump that, and that would recede a bit, but it could usually last for an hour or even several days. Yeah. If I would keep walking on it, 
Um, so I would, and I, the only thing I know is that I overstride a lot when I run. So mm-hmm. I make two big steps. Yeah. So I kind of run heel into strike. my front foot. Well, it's not even a heel strike so much. I can, I can still uh, overstride and still have like a midfoot strike. It's just really awkward when I do it. Yeah. Um, and I can also heel strike without pain, but I'm not sure when I'm overstriding when I don't feel it yet. Huh. So I just need to work on that to improve it. So maybe one day I will run because I would love to be able to run just uh, pain-free. I'm yeah. not, not saying I'm going to actually do it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would certainly, I think that everyone should just be able to do like a quick jog to wherever is necessary, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was saying this also once in the past that uh, a nice fitness level for me is when I have to sprint to the train back then. So I had exactly, to take that sort of stuff. And you are then arriving in the train and you are not completely dead. Yeah. that That's a nice thing. Exactly. That sort of stuff. And that's what I want. I don't, I don't care about being a very good runner, but I at least want to be able to, I don't know, my bike broke down and it have to be yeah. somewhere within so much time. I want to be able to, you know, run for 15 minutes at an easy pace without my shins hurting. And then for two days having a shin pump and all that sort of stuff. Yep. The so, everyday yeah. life troubles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we also have questions ourselves that we asked all our guests. Uh, one of them is if you could give uh, our listeners one piece of advice, uh, in relation to strength training um, and running, like our topic of today, what would that be? Get a proper coach. That's going to save you so much effort because a lot of coaches have gone through education. They had to go into trenches and try it themselves and all that. Uh, and it, take, it takes them months, years, many years, and a lot of coaching to be able to get where they are. Uh, and if you're going to do it all by yourself, you're going to have to go through that whole process if you want to get at least close to that level that the coaches have. So the easiest thing is to just do that. And if you're like, well, it's too expensive, too much effort, at least invest in something as small as like a starting program or just one or two personal training sessions uh, just to, you know, get the the, the, the big things out there. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would recommend the same with any sport. If, if I were to go running now, I would ask a coach so that I wouldn't do stupid stuff, at least point me in the right direction. And from there, I'll take it myself. I don't have to do everything perfectly. And I don't expect the same if you, you as a runner want to do strength training. Get a coach just to steer you in the right direction. And maybe from there you can take it yourself. That's fine. But number one, find someone to teach you. It takes you, saves you so much effort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a good point. Uh, a friend of ours uh, is uh, training for his first uh, triathlon mm-hmm. and he is uh, putting so much effort in um, like learning all about it from it's it's basically free sports that you have to excel mm-hmm. yeah. and uh like running uh, running he had a decent uh, background um but like swimming takes him now so much time mm-hmm. and it's not only the sports itself it's also the recovery the nutrition it's like this entire it's yeah. basically life consuming right now for mm-hmm. him yeah i can imagine i mean triathlon training is uh, a lot of hours per week to begin with yeah and if you don't have to learn about it aside from that and there is a lot to learn yeah um, and then once you learn things, you have to practice it and then you have to correct it and correcting yourself when you're swimming, for Can example, is <laughs> it's yeah. pretty hard yeah. because in weightlifting, you make a video and in between sets, you look at your video and you correct on your next set. What are you going to do with swimming? You're going to get out of the pool every single time. I mean, you could yeah. certainly, uh, but it's, it's just very hard. So yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that the guy's putting a lot of hours for this. Yeah. Well, very good tip. Um, second question. And uh, yeah, we want to know if you have a proposition or an idea of who we should invite on the show or a topic that we should talk about. Yeah, um, there are many things that I think would be very good for you guys, but something that is not um, talked about that much is the mental aspect of sports and the neurological side of sports. A lot of people talk about the physical side of sports. Mental side, slightly more. Neurological uh, not so much. And that is super interesting because uh, a simple example, we always see that um, 
oh, if you're dehydrated, uh, even 2%, you're going to run slower and it's going to impact your performance, so-and-so. If you look at marathon runners, they lose kilos and kilos of water and still they're able to speed up somewhere near the end if necessary. How is it possible if they lose up to like 8% of their body weight? That's because the neurological part, there's more to it than just physical. Mm. doesn't mean you don't need to hydrate. It just means there's more to it. Uh, we saw in, an, in a study that uh, if, they, if people would rinse their mouth with sugar, they would feel the same boost in running than when they would uh, actually drink it or when they would have a sweetener or stuff like that. So I would certainly do something in that direction. I know in the Netherlands, we have uh, Chivo. It's an education institute. And I would certainly recommend uh, getting Chi, which is the owner or one of the, uh, the other educators. If you can get one of them on the podcast, that would be great. Uh, and maybe Alex Fiata or one of the, uh, those people. Uh, from uh, Complete Human Performance, if you can get one of them, um, certainly do it. Yep. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things that we can explore yeah. for the next episodes. If people are interested in you and hearing more of you, how can they find you? Um, if you want to enjoy my sparkling sense of humor, look me up on Instagram. It's gemfitnl. Uh, I mostly post memes or lifting videos, so not a lot of running there, unfortunately. Very much recommended, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. I mean, I am funny. Um, and if you are interested in uh, strength classes, you're like, well, I do want to learn how to do some basic strength work. Uh, I also coach at Unscared CrossFit in Utrecht. And there we uh, focus on uh, not just CrossFit, but we also have strength classes where we focus on those basic lifts. And we actually have some runners and triathletes there. Yep. Jeremy, thank you very much for your time. Thank and you expertise. for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, that's about it for today. I hope you guys learned a lot uh, or maybe started to uh, be willing to learn more about strength running and running. Uh, in any case, uh, you can find us on YouTube and all your favorite podcast app and also on Patreon if you want to support the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, the place where you can also hand in your questions for the audience for the next uh, guest that we have. And of course, join us in person for our weekly runs on Tuesday, so tonight at 7 o'clock in Noda. Yes, that's about it for today. Thank you very much. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.